Welcome to HR2Go by Effective Workplace Solutions. In this episode of HR2Go, we'll be chatting about the recent legislative changes, also known as the Closing the Loopholes legislation. I'm Greg Arnold, founder and senior consultant with Effective Workplace Solutions, and today I'll be unpacking the new IR and employment laws introduced by the government in 2023. So in December of last year, the government passed a raft of changes to industrial relations and employment law in this country. Some of those changes are significant and will impact some industry sectors more than others. So what's the background to these changes? If we go back to early 2023, the government introduced the Closing Loopholes Bill into Parliament. The government was hoping at that time to rush the bill through the House of Representatives and the Senate, but that wasn't to be. As many of the independents and minor parties realised the significant impact that these changes were likely to have on businesses and forced the bill to be sent to the Senate Committee for Inquiry. The Senate Committee accepted submissions from many parties in the later months of last year, including the peak employer bodies, unions and academics, about the proposed changes. The outcome of that Senate inquiry is due in February, so that's due fairly soon. In the meantime, the government became frustrated with this process and negotiated a deal with the independents for certain parts of the bill to be passed. Those parts that were were passed were considered to be the less controversial elements of the initial bill, whilst more the more controversial parts of the bill were left to be debated in 2024 after the outcome of the uh, Senate inquiry. So in essence, we have a splitting of the initial bill, with some elements being passed on 7 December last year, and the rest to be dealt with sometime later in 2024. So now that we've covered the background of the most recent raft of IR employer change, sorry, employment law changes, our focus turns to what this means for your business. The changes will have different impacts on different sectors, and the changes will have different impacts depending on the size of the business. For example, the changes to the labour hire provisions will only affect those industry sectors where labour hire is prevalent, such as in the mining and construction industry, but not much in, say, the hospitality and retail, not so much in the retail and hospitality sectors where labour hire is not widely used. Similarly, the new laws around union delegates at the worksite are more likely to affect larger companies, and in some aspects of those new laws, the small businesses are exempt from those parts of the law. So let's go through these changes one by one. Uh, We'll deal firstly with labour hire. And as I said, this is more likely to have an impact on those industry sectors where labour hire is frequently used, for example, construction, aviation, mining, and in some areas, uh, the, uh, the primary producing sector. In essence, employers who engage labour hire workers, such as airlines, mining companies and warehouses, will soon have to pay the same as full-time, normally engaged employees. So if your organisation is one that relies, uh, relies on labour hire workers, it would be advisable to look at your enterprise agreement and do a mapping exercise to determine if there's a crossover between the work of your labour hire workers and the work that's covered by the enterprise agreement. The new laws also include what's called the anti-avoidance provisions, and they'll take effect immediately upon royal assent, uh, that being the 15th of December 2023. So if an employer is engaging in conduct to attempt to avoid these provisions, that conduct could be looked into by the Fair Work Commission. For example, where an employer is purposely misrepresenting the nature of the work uh, labour hire workers do, uh, to suggest an enterprise agreement that the host employer does not apply, then that's something that's going to uh, 
uh, be scrutinised by the Fair Work Commission. With the exception of the anti-avoidance provisions, which had the effect of 15th of December 2023, uh, the Fair Work Commission won't be empowered to make any regulated labour hire arrangement orders until November 2024. The next new law introduced is the new wage theft provisions. The wage theft provisions are now at a federal level, uh, and this is an important one to understand. As of the 1st of January 2025, employers could face fines of up to $7.8 million uh, and 10 years in jail for deliberate acts of underpayment of wages. And I stress the word deliberate, as it's been emphasised in both government communications and media reportings, that the laws will only pertain to employers who deliberately underpay their staff. That is, there is a willful act of underpayment, not simply a mistake made by not understanding or a misinterpretation of award or act provisions. When it comes to these provisions, a court will look at the knowledge, conduct and intention of the executives of the business, and they will look at whether or not they knew that this was happening and did nothing to fix the issue. This means that HR operatives and employers should treat this as a warning to double down on compliance exercises around payroll. The new legislation will include provisions for the underpayment of superannuation. So not only will underpayment of superannuation be a breach of tax laws, it will also be a breach of the Fair Work Act. So our advice is that employers should regularly undertake payroll audits or reviews to ensure that they are compliant with awards, agreements and indeed the Fair Work Act. The next part of the changes is the enhanced rights for workplace union delegates. This is a provision that is likely to have a significant impact on many employers. As from the 1st of July 2024, all modern awards and new enterprise agreements are to include a term relating to the rights of workplace delegates. It is expected that such terms will go into greater detail for particular industries, organisations and enterprises over and above the minimum rights under the Fair Work Act. Under the new laws, a workplace delegate will have the right to represent the industrial interests of of members and any other persons eligible to be a member of that organisation, including a dispute with the employer. They have reasonable communication with members and any persons eligible to be a member of that organisation in relation to their industrial interests. They're entitled to reasonable access to workplace and workplace facilities for the purpose of representing those interests. And they're entitled to reasonable access to paid time during normal working hours for the purpose of related training. But this right will not not apply to delegates of a small business, that is, if you have less than 15 employees. Also, the Act will be amended to provide specific protections for workplace delegates. Under the changes, an employer would be prohibited from unreasonably failing or refusing to deal with a workplace delegate, knowing or recklessly making a false or misleading misrepresentation to a workplace delegate, and unreasonably hindering, obstructing or preventing the exercise of rights of a workplace delegate. These provisions will apply from 1 July and the Fair Work Commission is already in the process of developing the new model terms to be inserted into the awards. However, it's expected that each award will have different provisions to others depending on the nature of the industry. The next one is the small business redundancy exemption. These amendments will mean that the existing exemption where redundancy payments do not apply to employers with less than 15 employees, in other words, a small business, will not apply to employers that are in bankrupt or in liquidation 
and have downsized due to insolvency to become a small business employer. This will ensure that employees terminated or made redundant due to the insolvency of their, their employer retain their entitlement to redundancy pay if their employer was not a small business prior to insolvency. For example, if an employer is winding up operations and payroll and finance employees are retained for the purpose of processing redundancy payments and and mopping up, so to speak. Uh, When it comes time for their employment to be terminated uh, for reasons of redundancy, the employer is not obliged to pay redundancy pay because at that time the employment relationship ended, they had less than 15 employees. This will now change such that those employees who are retained for the purpose of processing redundancy payments will be entitled to those redundancy pay. We then move on to the family and domestic violence leave provisions. These changes have resulted in stronger protections against discrimination, adverse action and harassment. The new provisions apply to employees who have been or are subjected to family and domestic violence. This change strengthens the Act's anti-discrimination framework to protect employees who have been or are being subject to family and domestic violence from discrimination in the workplace. It is now unlawful for an employer to take adverse action against an employee or potential employee, for example, by dismissing them or refusing to hire them because they have been or are being subjected to family and domestic violence. Finally, there are new provisions that provide that union officials who do not hold a Fair Work entry permit may enter workplaces to assist health and safety representatives or HSRs. This means that a union official who does not have a Fair Work right of entry permit can still enter a business for the sole purpose of assisting health and safety representatives. This change is more likely to affect the building and construction industry where there are a number of union officials that do not have entry permits for one reason or another, uh, they are now able to enter construction sites to assist the health and safety representatives. Now, using a crystal ball, and in my experience, I see this as being problematic with union officials using this provision to undertake other activities in the work site. And so that was a brief synopsis of the main changes to the laws. Obviously, this is a complex area, and how changes applies to business will vary from business to business. If you'd like to chat to one of our team and get some further information about these changes and how they might impact your business and operations, please don't hesitate to contact our office. Thank you for listening to another episode of HR To Go. If your business is based in Australia and you would like HR and employment law advice, please visit our website at ewsolutions.com.au.